Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Oster Tiger, the publisher of 24-7 Sports, joined by my good friend, football analyst William Gardner, who is uh, doing his laundry there in the in the background. We can't uh, have your wife get upset with you, so we're just going to listen to the to the load here for a minute. It's a nice soothing sound, you know. Keep keeps you low. Keeps keeps things to a lot nice low uh, pitch here. You know, got to keep my uh, domestic duties up to date. What are your early thoughts here in the summertime, William? Uh, we've seen some of the workouts. Uh, they're doing stadiums. They're 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 putting in some work conditioning wise. Uh, you, you can tell which guys uh, took their conditioning during that May break a little bit more seriously, huh? Yeah, and it's interesting. I think um, uh, the and granted that we don't see every single day, but it looks like Coach Mo has kind of um, uh, got a little more um, variety in his workouts than he did in, in winter time. And that makes sense. He had to teach everything from scratch then. And I don't know, you know, I, 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 I will, I still wonder how much they knew beforehand who was going to be gone and what was the point of really going, making it too varied or whatever, but they, they're switching it up a lot. And it seems like it's, it's moved to a higher level, frankly, to me than it was in winter and it was pretty intense in winter. Um, but they're now out there talking about leadership and, you know, like that, I think the other day they were making them start over on sprints if anybody messed it up. And that's how you, that's how you get a good team, you know, is, is require everybody to do everything the right way and you don't move on until they do. So, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to watch. Um, you know, I know we say the same thing every year, Hey, hey, best workouts in history. All, All I know is when you look at that group of dudes out there, there's some big damn guys out there i mean some big freaking guys they they at one point panned across all the offensive linemen i thought son of a gun man look i don't know if they can play a lick but man they, they block out the sun <laughs> yeah and Savion wilkerson just pops up and starts working out with the team right. no announcement right. that he's coming uh and this is a first team all swag selection last year had more than 1300 yards of offense and Yes, I understand the SWAC is not the Pac-12. It's a step up in competition. But this is a really good football player that they added to a group that was already looking pretty solid with Alton McCaskill, the fourth, coming in. And uh, Cavosier Smoke coming in. And Dylan Edwards showing things this spring. Bringing back Anthony Hankerson. Wilkerson all of a sudden makes that a group where you go, wow, okay. They're they're pretty loaded there. And and you've got Charlie Offerdahl in case of an Right. Injuries start to, to pile up there. That's a good looking group. And they got three guys that got some really nice size on them, too. I mean, you know, some of Jesus, uh, it's McCaskill, right? The um, running back. I, I saw that guy, and, I, and before he turned around, I saw the back for sure. I saw, who's that outside linebacker? Who's that defensive end right there? That's a big dude. I mean, we haven't seen a guy like that. You know, I guess uh, Vickers, Lawrence, or, or Chris Brown, guys like that. But Christian big, Powell. Uh, what? No. Well, I guess he wasn't very long. He was more packed, Christian Powell, but he was a no, bigger, no, bigger Chris back. Brown. Chris Brown. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you're asking for bigger backs. I'm saying Christian Powell. Oh, oh yeah, well. Yeah. I meant guys that don't fall down the first time somebody touches their shoelace. Wow, okay. All right, back on track here. So the running back room looks to be fortified at this point. What are the question marks? Uh, I think tight end at this point. Maybe even inside linebacker from a from yeah. a body standpoint. 
Uh, now, yeah. tight end, tight end is not quite as dire as maybe you would think, given that right. I don't think this is going to be the focal point of the offense. And right. Elijah Yelverton came in from Iowa and is pretty much a scholarship guy as a walk-on. Now, you, you do need to, I think, add another body to that group. Uh, but I don't know. When you bring in Giovanni Antonio at 6'4", 220 to replace Sedu Traore, right. uh, that, that fixes some of the, the big target issues on offense. And, and he's a physical – he's a much more physical guy of that size than Traore was, as is apparent by early workouts. But, yeah, it, it, it still remains to be seen to me – how much they use the tight end and, and frankly, how much we can draw from Kent state last year to what we see this year, because, uh, you know, watch that film from Kent state last year. They really didn't use the tight end all that much, except as almost an additional lineman. Um, so we'll see what they do. And I posted this this morning that, uh, you know, uh, they filled every other spot on the team, you know, and, and I didn't know if they would be able to do that. I kind of feel silly now, worrying about it a few months ago, but it just sort of feels to me like if they'd wanted to fill tight end, they would have filled tight end. So. Well, yeah, th- there were some guys that they targeted that, that went elsewhere and they still actually are looking around. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it, it's not quite set there. Uh, I would imagine everybody just watched the last couple minutes and is screaming at whatever device they're watching or listening to this on and saying, what about quarterback? Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're going to bring in a, another quarterback. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it it it's a difficult situation, and you're not going to bring in anybody that's a starter quality guy to be the backup. And you know, if you're bringing in a backup quality guy, how good is he anyway? And do you just want a warm body there? I don't know. I mean, maybe, possibly, maybe you want to walk on, um, which which also remind. I I don't know that there's an answer to that, and you just got to kind of ride with what you got this year, and fingers crossed and hope for the best. But it also makes me wonder about that. I don't know if you saw the video of um, Coach Prime and uh, Coach Sal asking for walk-on defensive tackles. That was interesting, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you need practice bodies and you yeah. need quality bodies because you can't just invite anybody onto the team because then uh, I, I equate it to uh, my mediocre high school basketball career where my, my right. coach said, hey, don't go play pickup against bums. So you yeah. pick up bad habits. So you, you got to have some quality guys in there. And yeah, you want to get a lot of reps in there. Well, and, and and also for practice, when you're in practice, you know, your defensive line coach has to send some guys over to work with the offensive line. You don't want to send over a bunch of stiffs so that the offensive line doesn't get any better. Meanwhile, Sal wants to keep with him the guys he thinks are going to be playing a lot. So I, I imagine that's really what it boils down to. So if we're going to do a, a keys to every football game this season, it's pretty clear number one on that list is Shadour Sanders staying healthy, right? I mean, that if you're not going to bring in another quarterback, this season really hinges on them being able to, to keep him active. I don't know about that. I watch this offense, and it's a very quarterback-friendly offense, and, and nobody wants to put a true freshman out there. But every single season recently, it seems like somebody's got a true freshman that comes in and, and looks really great, right? Well, we don't want to go with that guy, but – if there's ever this is not last year's offense where even John Elway wouldn't look good in it. This is an offense where a young guy could actually do pretty well, and and Lewis understands play calling in a way um, to uh, make it easier for a young guy. And and then again, you know, it all depends on what you're looking for. I mean, 
I don't know if you're thinking eight wins, then yeah, probably we need to have Shadur there the whole the whole season. If you're if you're even trying to six get, wins, you need. I Shadur. don't. I don't think six is as hard as it, as people think it is to get with this schedule. It, it, it no, I, I don't care. I don't care about this schedule. There's you look at this schedule and there's six wins on it. There's seven. There's eight wins on it. And I think Shadur Sanders a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I have a lot of faith in Lewis and this and this offense. This offense to me. From what I watched uh, uh, from Kent State, is a very proficient offense, and it's not one of those ones where you got to have, uh, you know, a, a, an all-conference level quarterback. I don't know. I mean, it, it looks to me like it gives them an opportunity to get the ball out fast to a lot of guys, and, co- and quite frankly, it, it, it appears to me to be a run-first offense. So, I don't know. I have I have good good coaches. Yeah, but, over, um, yeah I don't think. The problem, though, is you saw this last year with Colorado when they didn't have decent quarterback play. You couldn't run the ball because other teams would just stack the box, right? Well, I, but that- I, I just I, I get what you're saying, but and I love Ryan Staub. I think he's a great fit for this offense. Case and Wiseman, I haven't seen him yet, so I don't have much of an opinion there. But when you just saw the overall operation of the first team offense this spring versus the other groups, it was just on a different level that. Uh, I just I don't know if it's fair to ask a true freshman uh, like you had to do last year with Owen McCown. I, I just I don't like that. Well, I, I don't. Nobody likes it, but but like I said, every year you see somebody come out and do it really well. And I you know I just got to push back a little bit and say, look, the, the the problems last year were not just because our quarterbacks were no good; it's because our coaches were no good and they didn't know how to call plays and the, and that there was no offensive scheme to speak of. Really, I mean, they thought there was, but there wasn't. Um, and this thing's a whole different thing. And people need to realize that that coaching makes a difference, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, our, our freshman guys this year may well be better than what we had at quarterback last year. But nevertheless, they're going to have better play calling and they're going to have far better weapons that are going to be put in places that actually make, a, make sense, you know. People uh, run down, you know, the receivers that were here last year, but they were given schemes that are stupid. You know, it's like the, the true offensive play calling. You want to put guys where other where defensive guys are not. And last year is like they said, hey, find a safety and run right at him, would you? And then we're going to try to throw you the ball. Um, so I think it's going to make a huge difference. I'm not saying I just don't think the wheels are going to come off if Shadur goes down. I think that this this coaching staff is too solid and too veteran. And I think I think that Lewis and O'Boyle know this thing and they know what they're doing in a way that we haven't seen probably since 2001, maybe. Today's episode of Buff Stampede Radio is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you're running a successful small to medium-sized business, you have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving 
It's profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy. Understand the profitability of each client. Help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. We reached out to the BuffStampede.com community for ideas for this upcoming segment. Buy or sell, it's an idea that I kind of stole from the Freeballing Pod. I think they had taken it from around the Horner PTI or one of those ESPN shows, but was looking for a, kind of a theme for today's podcast. And William, we got some great suggestions here. That there's some real thinking that went is going to go into this in terms of our answers here. So this is going to be fun. Buy or sell. Basically, uh, do you agree or disagree with the premise of this here? We're going to start with D How eight eight eight. We're jumping right into it, William. We're not easing into it. Yeah, right. Buy or sell. See you will jump to the Big Twelve. Uh, I think they will. Um, so you buy? Yeah, I buy, and and uh, I don't know. I, mean, I I asked you beforehand. Does it mean am I buying that I like it, or am I buying that I think it'll happen? And that, it, that it'll happen. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of seems like where it's going to wind up for us right now. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Time remains to be seen. I'm just glad to see us stay at a, in a power five level conference given, you know, until we win some games, we're not a precious, precious commodity. I'm going to sell for now. Uh, if a de- decent TV rights deal by the Pac-12 isn't presented though, by the end of June, then I'm going to switch that to buy. It's why would hard. we think? Why would we think there would be one? They haven't ever had one. Well, there's rumblings that they're they're getting closer, and obviously we're now talking about almost a year out from the LA schools jumping ship. That um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, don't don't tell me to try to politic for the Pac-12 or George Klyovkov. They've seemingly dropped the ball here, but. Uh, as of things stand right now, I think the Pac-12 in Colorado, I think Colorado wants to be in the Pac-12 given things are somewhat close. How would you feel about going back to the Big 12? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. No, I, I'm not one of those people that hates on the small towns. You know, I, I like that slower pace as I, especially as I get older. Now, traveling, traveling to some of these locations in the Big 12 is, is challenging, especially, you know, that's a big part of my job is getting yeah. there for the game. So that part of it I don't like. But, William, I grew up uh, in Phoenix, so I grew up in the Pac-10 area, but I don't like the lack of passion for, for college football in that footprint. And I get that there's more CU alumni in that footprint, the positives from the academic side and all that stuff. But uh, from a football standpoint, I just love the environment of the Big 12, and I get that Nebraska and Oklahoma and Texas and, and Missouri, these rivalries you had are not there anymore, but right. uh, you still have more rabid fan bases throughout that, and, and the back basketball aspect of it would be just 
incredible. So yeah. it would be tougher for Colorado to compete, obviously. But uh, I, yeah, come me in for that. But um, I, I'm answering this question at, in terms of where I see reality. Okay. How, how we see reality fanning out here. Right. All right. Idiot clown, buy or sell. Oregon and Washington's demands for unequal revenue will be the actual cause of the breakup of the Pac-12. I'm going to go first here, William. I don't know how closely you've been following this, but uh, I'm going to go sell here. That was a concern at one point during the last 11 months, but it doesn't sound like Oregon and Washington are actually going to be demanding unequal revenue beyond potential college football playoff revenue down the road. Uh, in, in the past, college football playoff revenue, which, ha- I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of that for the Pac-12, has been split up right. among the schools. Going forward, it sounds like that would not be the case. Uh, but NCAA tournament revenue is still expected to be evenly distributed. So uh, Oregon and Washington uh, uh, seem to right now want to keep the Pac-12 together in terms of how they're operating. Yeah, I would sell on that too, but for a slightly different reason. I agree with your reasoning, but I think, you know, it's like if the Pac-12 breaks up, it's because the L.A. schools are gone. I mean, the the L.A. schools, I don't know, for most of my lifetime, were the Pac-10, Pac-8, whatever they started out as in Pac-12. And without USC and UCLA, it it really is not the same conference that it ever was. So if it breaks up, it's because they left, first of all, and then everybody else is trying to find a place to – to survive, I think. So we'll see what happens. Well, Oregon and Washington could have caused the definite demise of the Pac-12 had the Big Ten invited them, but they decided they're not going to further expand, which uh, when the L.A. schools jumped ship again about a year ago, you you looked right up to the Pacific Northwest and and said, hey, if they get an invite to the Big Ten, they're gone and this whole thing is going to fall apart. But that, that didn't happen. Right. And I don't think there's, you know, I mean, outside of those schools, there's not a whole lot in the Pac-12 that's really probably very uh, uh, attractive to other conferences. Maybe the Arizona schools. I don't know. Movie buff, buy or sell, see you as a bowl team in 2023. Absolutely. I'm buying that. And I'll tell you why, because I think we, and I'll go, I'm probably going to pound this into the ground, this, this, this podcast, we have good coaching and it makes a darn difference. And I don't think that the uh, schedule, I don't think all the teams that are on that schedule, the people are raving about are all going to be as good as people think they are. I think some of them are going to be that good, but I think others are going to drop back to reality a little bit. And I think uh, uh, some others weren't that good to begin with. I don't think Washington State's all that great. I don't think that either the Arizona schools is unbeatable. Cal and Stanford aren't that good. Um, you know, and TCU, I think had a magical season and it ain't going to happen again. So, uh, I, I think getting to six wins for us looks relatively simple to me at this point. I think people have a hard time believing that based on the last 10 or 12 years, but you had a crap team that was coached by crap coaches and that's what you see on the field. You know, they, they, those coaches couldn't match up or get their team they could they didn't prepare guys well they didn't develop guys well they didn't have good schemes and everything i've seen so you know i mean it remains to be seen we haven't seen this staff coach anything yet but everything i've seen so far they're hitting all the buttons and they're doing all the right things so i i think we're going to do that 
Um, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. I don't know how, if, you know, where we'll end up, but I, I think we'll get six games, six wins for sure. Do I have to answer this or can you go on to the next one? No, you got to, we got to pitch in, man. I don't know. I, I am as much on the fence as you can possibly get right now between five and seven wins. And, uh, and I was joking with somebody the other day, just saying that we'll have, uh, one person say that I'm a hater and another person say that I'm a homer. Like it just, this is such a strange it's weird time for CU football. Yeah. Uh, There's no question that there's more talent in the roster, but it's new and it's a new scheme. And, uh, yeah, that it is such a tough schedule. I don't know what to expect in terms of a win total. I think uh, when you it, say, if you say five to seven wins, sixty-six percent of that is bowl bowl eligible. Yeah. Well, here's one thing that I'm going to say bye. And right now, I guess I'll say I have a prediction of six and six in mind. And I looked at the eligibility chart this morning for for Colorado, which kind of breaks down this team position by position, class by class. And there's been so many times that Colorado's like at that 85 scholarship mark or even a couple above it. And you look across it and you go, there's massive holes here and here. Gosh, this is a real concern if one guy gets hurt. Right, right. There's question marks with this football team, no doubt about it. And if Shador Sanders goes down, I'm very concerned about this team. Yeah. Uh, but there's not that many holes, like glaring holes. You you look at it, yeah. Positions like running back and safety, they're just there's like three or four or five guys you feel really good about in a lot of these spots. Now yeah, the D line, D line, I don't quite know about. I don't yeah. know what the the ceiling of the O line is at this point. Quite right. how deep that group's going to be. So many question marks, but. Just this team, from a talent standpoint, is, is quite a bit better than we've seen Aaron Boulder yeah. recently. And I was going to turn it around just slightly and say, uh, you know, at almost every position on the team except quarterback, it's not entirely clear who the starter is. And I would say I would go even on the offensive line, say those five guys. It's become very clear to me that those five guys coming out of spring are not the obvious starters because the guys they brought in, are some big dudes and, and you know one of the things you keep hearing from from out of uh, the workouts is that they brought in some dudes that are hungry and want to play and so there's going to be competition at every position and that's going to make people better so you know like even on the offensive line where it seemed where I, I think there was a clear five coming out of spring um some of the guys they brought in are going to push those guys and like you said on the defensive line um outside of shane Cokes, i don't think there's a guaranteed starter in the group right yep all right, let's move along. Buffalo Larry suggested this one. Buy or sell. Colorado will have three rushers go for over 500 yards this year. I would buy I would buy that one, and I would say yes for, for two reasons. Number one, because it's going to be a run-centric – well, maybe three reasons. A run-centric offense. Number two, because there's no clear number one back. Um, and number three, because I think we're going to have a, a big, big – bruising offensive line and that's going to be the genesis of our play calling so um you you mentioned earlier i think that looking at all the running backs in that room um there's not one that stands head and shoulders above the rest um and there's like you said four or five who could really do something and bring a different element to the field so yeah i I think we might get three three people over 500 i think we might get one over a thousand because i think we're going to run for a lot of yards yeah i 
did some research on this one actually because I, I didn't quite know how it was going to go. I'm going to go sell, and it's more from a history standpoint. CU has not had three rushers go for over 500 yards since 2006. And that was with a run first quarterback, Bernard Jackson. So you got to go all the way back to 2001 since they had three actual running backs go for over 500 yards in a season. And, you know, that's a position where guys get banged up, but you, you can't predict injuries in mid June. Um, but, you know, you'd have to have those guys stay healthy. Um, and then also, Coach Flea has mentioned that he, he does want to kind of have a feature back that he kind of gets rolling and goes with a little bit. So, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a, a back that's head and shoulders above the rest. And I think the there will be guys that are in that, you know, 300, 400 yard category. But to get three over uh, 500, that's actually a, a little bit more rare than maybe it sounds. Yeah, no, I, you, it is a good point. But I think we've also it's also a different offense than we've seen and more quality in the off, in the running back room than we've seen in a long time. Um, you know, I mean, every well. Some years there wasn't a clear number one, but um, in other years, in the last 10 years um, that, you know, we just didn't have, the, you know, the, the number two or the number three guy just wasn't at the same level. In that that season in 2006 that I mentioned, that was Hugh Charles, Bernard Jackson, like I mentioned, and the third guy that went over 500 yards that season. This is a name from the past, William. Mel Holiday. Oh Remember him? No. <laughs> So Mel Holiday really? transferred in and he earned the nickname, the welder. No joke. He went back home one summer to work as a welder. Uh, he had a bunch of children and was like trying to financially uh, make money for them. Awesome. You know, uh, but that's why he couldn't be around during summer workouts is because he was oh welding. God. So he came back and he was actually a fun running back to watch for, for a yeah. year. That, that season was very forgettable. 2006. Oh god! Two and ten season with a lot of heartbreaking losses. Uh, Hugh Charles was kind of an underrated back. Yeah, I thought so. He, he was. He had some speed and some nice size, and I don't know. It just wasn't a, wasn't what you'd think is your feature back. I think though. In two thousand and one, of course, the last time three running backs did that: Chris Brown, Bobby Purify, and Cortland Johnson. Uh, just randomly. Uh, ran into Bobby Purify not too long ago. So, oh, wow. yeah, he's still in Colorado. He's still doing some uh, semi-pro football, too. So, oh, wow. I can barely get out of bed at, at, right. at my age. I, that, that's pretty impressive that he's still doing yeah. that. Yeah. Crazy. Movie Buff had this suggestion. Buy or sell, Shador Sanders finishes fifth or higher in the Pac-12 in quarterback ranking. I'm assuming this means quarterback rating, right? Is that how you take it? Um, yeah, well, I mean, right, yeah, rant, or does he mean by well, who knows? I mean, does he mean yards thrown or um, we'll, 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 we'll just call it rating and um, <clears throat> and I don't know the, the rate, I think the rating system is so complicated, I'm not even 100% sure what the heck goes into it. But, um, if we were to say, what about I don't know if we said uh, <clears throat> top five, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go this way, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say sell because I don't know what the hell he's asking for. But I, do, do, I do think, you think do you think Shadur Sanders is going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year? Let's yes. go that way. Yes. Okay. I do. I buy that, and I think that uh, you know he has demonstrated his ability to play this game. And I know everybody. Well, it's not the Power Five. I don't care. Whatever. Um, you know, there will there will be some learning moments in yeah. there for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, we got to at least admit that. Well, 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, he's got two seasons of playing college football, so you know, he maybe has not gone against a quality level of, of defensive backs and offensive line that he's uh, seen at the other level. But he's also it, got there's a, there's a there's a certain muscle memory and uh, <clears throat> hand eye coordination and just reading defenses that maybe a throw that he got really comfortable with that at that level is just not going to work with. DBs that can close on it faster, right? Would be an example well, I would use in terms of maybe, hey, but, then, but maybe you make that throw, make that mistake once or twice, and then Shadur Sanders is a super smart quarterback that's not going to do that again. But there might be those learning moments early on. Yeah, but he also didn't have anybody at Jackson State like like a like like some of these wide receivers he's got now who are going to make a quarterback look really good. You know, you know, like um, who are we just talking about? Um, the big kid. You know, that that guy's going to muscle up and body over some people and and you know, Travis Hunter is going to make people look stupid. And so I think that there, there are trade-offs that are in his favor and it's not just, Oh, he just came from uh, Jackson state. You know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> there's something about a quarterback that's successful, that is that it factor. And he certainly got it. And he's been massively successful um, as a starting quarterback in college um, <clears throat> for two years now, you know, and, to to for people to write it off as saying oh well it's 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 not power five I think is uh, misguided. All right. Yeah, I mean, if it was not for the fact that <clears throat> Caleb Williams and and Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. and Cam Rising were all coming back at the conference side, I would buy this. But I, I'm going to sell it for now. And you've got guys like Jaden Delora and Cam Ward that have Pac-12 experience. I. I have said that I expect Shador Sanders to rank sixth in the conference in terms of quarterback rating, ranking, however you want to put it. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at there. But it's close. I, I do have very high expectations for Shador Sanders, and I, yeah. I think that he is such a smart quarterback that when he makes a couple of those mistakes, he's going to catch on really quick at this level. Buffnick won buy or sell. Shador Sanders will pass for over 3,000 yards in 2023. He added – Notably, he did both years. He did that both years at Jackson State, and this is highly correlated to teams having a winning season when their quarterback hits that number. Well, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to know without knowing exactly how uh, Lewis is going to run this offense because I think, like I've been saying, it's going to be a run-first offense. So, um, will he get the op- the opportunity to throw enough for that? Um, I, you know, I'm going to go all in and say, yes, I'm going to buy that one um, because I think his talent, again, I think the talent of the receivers that he's got out there, uh, you know, they can just run a, a, a platoons of guys out there w- without much drop off. And they've also, they've got big guys, they've got fast guys, they've got a little bit of everything. Um, and if they're successful in the running games, I think they are, that's going to open things up a lot. Um, and having a play caller who knows how to call plays, uh, will make a big difference too. So add that to his talent. Um, and I think, I think he'll make it. I'm going to buy this one. Steven Montez threw for more than 2,800 yards in each of three seasons in, in non-bowl seasons at CU between 2017 and 2019. And Shador Sanders is, is a better quarterback. Yes. Uh, they are going to run the ball a lot, but this is also an up-tempo scheme which means you're going to run more plays. Uh, you look at right. Shador Sanders threw for 7,000 yards at Jackson State in 24 games. And some of those were lopsided scores late in Jackson State's advantage. So um, 
you know, he would maybe not throw as much in some of those games. Now the Pac-12 is going to be tough for competition. I think that kind of offsets a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at it and there's also a situation where a few of these games, they might be behind and you're going to have to pass the ball. So, um, right. Throw all that together. Shadur Sanders didn't. I'm going to predict he throws for 3,100 yards and give me, uh, yeah, 3,100 yards in, in 12 regular season games. That's about 260 yards per game. Yeah. And, 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 and as Buffnick points out, that's highly correlated to having a winning team. And so, you know, I think that uh, speaks well for uh, uh, our, our possibilities this year. Got another one with Shadour Sanders here from GoBuffs88. Buy or sell, Shadour Sanders sets a CU record for passing touchdowns this season. Now, Stefo Lufount owns that record with 28 passing touchdowns. He did that back in 2014. William, seven of those touchdowns from Stefo that year were in that double overtime loss at Cal. Remember that game where Nelson Spruce and Stefo just kept connecting, and but Jared Goff was on the other side doing the same thing, and Cal came out on top? Yeah. Uh, I was looking, I was trying to look that up to see if he would. So he'd have to get 29. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a, a stiff, uh, whew, that'd be a lot of, I, I'm going to sell on that one. I think, I think that's a tough one to reach. Um, and like you said, you know, it took, it took a, a magical game for Cepho to get that. Not that, that we were really a, you know, wide open passing offense that season, but, uh, you know, that, that's a tough, that's a tough one to reach. I'm going to buy it, but it's going to be close. Shadur would have to average 2.5 passing touchdowns per game in 12 regular season games to surpass that record. He averaged 2.9 passing touchdowns per game at Jackson State. Uh, yeah, again, there might be some games where CU has to come back, uh, right. you know, in games. And I don't know. I I think it's going to be close, but yeah. give me him like like getting it by like one or two this year. You know, when you break it down. Uh, in terms of average per game, it sounds a lot easier, you know. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I fully expect there'll be some games where there are three or four or five even touchdown passes, right? I wouldn't think more than once or twice, but I think there'll be multiple TD pass games. But, you know, I mean, uh, in reality, he'll probably miss some series here and there, whether it's by injury or, you know, as you say, either we're up a lot or there we're, if we're behind a lot, he's going to throw a lot. But, um I don't know. Uh, I think it's a tough number to reach. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't be the record, right? Somebody else would have reached it. Well, CU also hasn't had a quarterback drafted since 1997, so that's part of it. And, you know, the game has evolved. So, like, all these passing records are pretty recent. You know, you, you had Cody and then Cepho and then Steven kind of back. It was like the next passing quarterback. It's too bad Shadour Sanders is not going to be around for more than a couple of years because, I mean, he would just – Rewrites to use passing yeah. record. Yeah. All right. Another one from Movie Buff. Buy or sell Xavier Weaver finishes as the receiver with the with the most catches, but not the most yards. I'm gonna sell on that, not because I have any doubt about Xavier Weaver. I I just think there's there's so many weapons in that wide receiver room, I can't even begin to prognosticate who's gonna come out as the leading guy. I think I, I I would go so far as to say I think that um, um, Horn ends up with the most touchdown catches because of his 
what he showed us in spring, but who, who has the most catches, man, I, I couldn't begin to take cause they're just, so, I don't even, I couldn't tell you who would be the starters at this point. Well, I think right now you'd probably say Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn and Travis Hunter are going to be pretty close Yeah, in terms of their receiving stats. Right. And, and so it's kind of, who do you like most out of that group? And you've got some other guys, I mentioned Javon Antonio and, and a lot of really talented young receivers. Amari and Miller's made some plays early on this summer. Um, but I, I think Weaver, Horn, and Hunter are kind of the main three guys you look at here. Again, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to sell. And, yeah, I, I think Jimmy Horn is going to lead the team in, in receptions and yards and then Hunter with receiving touchdowns. And I know your rebuttal would go, well, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn played together at USF and, and Weaver had slightly more yards last year. But I don't know. I just have seen a mentality out of Jimmy Horn since he's been right. on campus that has really impressed me. He was the first guy to earn his number. Uh, you see him out there this summer. He's leading that receivers group. Um, and I expect Xavier Weaver to put up big numbers in this offense. Right. But I just right now, based on what I've seen, I, I, I want to buy stock in, in, in Jimmy Horn Jr. Not that I'm selling stock in Weaver, but for this question, I'm going to go uh, th- that direction. Well, and I would also make a pitch for Javon Antonio because with his body size, he's going to be he's going to be a nice safety valve because uh, he's going to he's going to you know okay look if he's your third or fourth even maybe even receiver and he's going to match up on some safety or some linebacker or even a nickelback that's going to be stupid and yeah. uh, it, with his body size he's going to be a guy where you know Shadur's got pretty darn good um, accuracy you don't need as good accuracy with a guy that big. So yeah. I think there's a real possibility that Antonio could become, not to say a possession receiver in the traditional sense, but, but, but a, a safety blanket that uh, Shadur can, you know, see him out of corner of his eye. And that's, that's where I can go if nobody else is there, you know, every summer there's like one guy that maybe we didn't expect to be a stud that kind of emerges. Doesn't it feel like Giovanni Antonio might be, slowly kind of easing into that. I shouldn't say slowly. They've only been on campus for a couple of weeks, but right. does it feel like the buzz is kind of building with him? Yeah. Well, you know, that one play and that one video, I'm sure you saw where he came off line and just basically jacked that kid like he's an offensive tackle. I was like, wow, that's a different kind of receiver. <laughs> Are you throwing a flag if you're an official well, you, in that situation? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's kind it's of like – kind of, one one time, uh, I remember one game where uh, the, the 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 defensive end was. Uh, God, what game was that? It might have been an NFL game. Defensive end was crying to the ref about how you got to flag that quarterback for unnecessary roughness, and the ref said, "Are you kidding me? Get out of here!" You know. <laughs> but but then again, you know there there were times, quite frankly, where I had I told my guys, you know what, you you tee off and you get a flag, and then we're going to settle down because we're going to send a message that this is how we're going to play the damn game. And if you don't want to be out here, get off the field. So, you know, if he was to go out and do that to somebody, you know, maybe he gets a flag on that play. But I'll tell you what, that defensive back got that in the back of his mind that yeah. this is not a guy to be messed with. No doubt. Nick Brax 31 had this suggestion for our buy or sell segment. Buy or sell, see you as a top six offense in the Pac-12. Absolutely yes, I'm buying that, and I, I and, and I, I guess I'm sounding like a Lewis groupie here, but I just love this offense, man. I, you know, I love what it looked like at Kent State, 
And I love that he's got his offensive line coach that he's been with for five years. Uh, and I love the talent we've put into it. Um, and I think this thing's going to click. Uh, as you said, you know, Jimmy Horn Jr., I, I think he's going to do special things this year. Um, you know, I, I think Travis Hunter's a freak, a ridiculous kind of, you know, uncoverable guy almost, really. Um, but I also think that this running game is going to be revved up and be pretty, be pretty special as well. So I I believe that entirely, and I think really the question for the year, success wise, would be the defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with. I'm a big Sean Lewis fan, and I like a lot of the talent they brought in. There's a lot of already established, well powered offenses in this conference. To finish top half in the first year of Sean Lewis, ah. Gosh, William, they they were so bad last year. And I well, get that the entire me, team me, is like different now, but goodness oh, let gracious. Me, let me throw this out there too, because all those other stinking offenses got fat off of us for at least one game. And I don't <laughs> think they're gonna get that this year. Yeah, I, I gotta sell here. I, I gotta see it on the field first. I gotta see yeah, it on the fair. field first. All right. Tichala 93, buy or sell. Travis Hunter plays roughly equivalent snaps at receiver and cornerback. I, I, I'm going to sell on that, and only because there's too many variables involved, I think, and too many other guys at, at those positions uh, to say one way or the other. I do, I do suspect that he's not going to come out the field much, and just, if that means one side or the other more than the other, I don't know about that. Um, uh, I think he's a generational talent in the defensive backfield. Is he that at wide receiver? Don't know yet. Um, I, he, I, he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. You know, I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree with, with, uh, I mean, like the, like in terms of pure receiver, I mean, he's him and Paul Richardson are the only thing like that I could put at the top in terms of what I've covered. I, I wasn't around with Michael Westbrook and those guys. Uh, Visca was just a different animal, right? He's just right. he, yeah. a, a physical specimen type, but right. uh, just he, he he's he's him, William. Yeah, and, and Hunter is is, yeah. is legit. You, you don't well, have to question whether he's an elite receiver. He he just is. Okay, well, yeah, and his ability. Well, I yeah, I mean, I guess I'm thinking like uh, Coach Prime was talking about uh, him as a you know top half of the first round draft pick and. And so I think certainly as a, as a defensive back, he's that as he first half of the NFL draft in first round as a wide receiver. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's pretty special to be both, both of those things. Will they, but I also think that um, they got so many weapons, a wide receiver, and I don't know how, you know, are they going to run this like a hockey line and you change lines and you got three different receivers in there. I, who knows? There's just too many variables. I also think we've got some, cornerbacks that we've brought in that give us the luxury of not having to put Hunter out there on every series. So who knows? I don't know. I just, I just don't know how they're going to uh, regulate that, but it brings up another quote from prime. He said, he said, I don't regulate that. He is who he is and he plays when he plays, which to me, to me sounded like Travis Hunter comes up, comes off the field when Travis Hunter wants to come off the field, which probably is never. Yeah, I'm going to buy it because apparently this young man doesn't get tired. That's uh, yeah. certainly going to get tested this fall. It, you know, I think at some point this fall, 
he will have to pull himself out of the game because that's a lot to ask. But yeah. I mean, I, I love this approach of maximizing his ability because of his competitiveness and how uh, we've heard in, in Coach Primus said this, the young man is simply not engaged when he's not out there on the field. Like he is that competitive of a person. And uh, I think the reason that he's working pretty much exclusively with receivers is because cornerback just comes pretty easy to him. And right. so this is, you know, uh, getting acclimated with, with the Sean Lewis system and all that. But, you know, this isn't LaVisca Chenault's being your entire offense and being right. the Wildcats right. and running the ball into the teeth of the defense every single short yard situation. Right. He was going to get worn down, and that was not sustainable. I think with Travis Hunter being a receiver and a corner, you can get away with this a lot more in terms of trying to squeeze all of the potential and what he can bring right. to your team in terms of overall success. Yeah, and I think you can use them. You can you can almost spot them in on defense against whoever their best receiver is, you know, and say, look, here's 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 the defensive scheme. You got him. Everybody else does something else. But the other thing that um, you know, Prime talked about. I don't know if it was the same. I think it was the same interview. But he talked about you know, as a cornerback, he knows his techniques and he knows where his feet are and he knows where his butt is and where his shoulders are. He's like. And he talked about, you know, as a wide receiver, he's got to learn how to keep his shoulders over his toes and to, you know, come into a cut and make a cut and have his hands in close to his body and all the little kinds of things. And people don't, I don't think people, unless they've played at a higher level or coached or whatever, really realize all the little tiny fundamental things at every position that make the difference between, you know, like you get the NFL, right? And, and the guy that's great and the guy that's average NFL, the difference is not that. It's, it's, you know, that, and this guy has all the techniques or what have you, even, even the guys with the most talent you watch, if you take it to the offensive line perspective, I was talking to somebody about what's the difference between um, Nate Solder and, and David Bakhtiari. Well, Nate's a ridiculous, I mean, he, he is the ultimate offensive line athlete, whereas David Bakhtiari from day one in, the, in this program was a technician. And, and just new technique down to the last bone. And, you know, for Travis Hunter to learn that, if he learns that a wide receiver, man, he's going to be something. Ryan J112111. That's a lot of ones, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, buy or sell. Travis Hunter truly plays both ways. It has six plus touchdowns. That's easy. I'm buying that. And I, I think he'll get some of those touchdowns on defense. Yeah, I'm going to buy that as well. Let's move along. Ugly Rats, buy or sell. See, you will have somebody with more than seven sacks this year. Oh, please God, yes. I'm going to buy that one. Um, and I think uh, uh, early money would be on Dominic, I think. But, man, some of these guys they brought in, wow. You know, I think for the first time in a long time, um, God, I can't even think when the last time we will have guys on either end who can be a threat which makes it easier for both of them because you can only scheme to one of them you know yeah. most most offenses you can only scheme to one of them um either you go away from them or you block towards them or what have you but uh you know when you you got the kind of guys we have brought in, in the last three months um do, well I, th I think i think we might get more than one guy get seven sacks this year i'm gonna buy it I it's close, but uh, 
Yeah, Jordan Dominic had seven and a half sacks in the SEC right. last year. So, okay, I'll, I'll say bye here. You, who, who do you think is the last CU buff to have more than seven sacks in a season? Well, uh, well the obvious answer is uh, uh, Jimmy Gilbert, but I'm guessing that's wrong since you're not since you asked me the question. Hold on, let me think about it. Well, uh, yeah, in, in full transparency, I thought the same exact thing until I researched it. Mustafa Johnson actually had eight and a half in 2018. See, if you would have given me a second, I was going to come up with that name. <laughs> Honest to God. See, now you okay. can look, people can call me a liar. But you had to jump in. Sorry, sorry. I, that's who I was going to come up with. Because, well, well, okay, it's not like it's a huge. He'd be the only other choice, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Carson Wells had, uh, I think, over five one season. Yeah, but, but you know, it, it's remarkable that Mustafa did it from the inside. And that brings me back to Shane Cokes because he's he's got Mustafa type abilities and build and 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 that's how he plays the game that way. So he's also another guy who who, who could really bring us pressure from every place on the defensive line. GK Buffs buy or sell the special teams unit will win a game for the team this season. Well, it's not. I mean, like with a last second field goal or. If that's uh, the case, then I would buy. If not, I mean, it's, it's that's a hard one to predict because. Right. Because it's like that's the ultimate like down or that's the ultimate, you know, kind of. Unknown going into every football game is this is a, a weirdly shaped football that could go a lot of different directions and special right. teams is where you see that happen a lot. And I, I don't know, really know how you predict that in, in June, but if it's a, a game winning kick in, I've predicted them to win six games. You have them going to a bowl game. I would assume one of those games would come right. by a kick. So I guess I'll, I'll buy or, it. Or a block punt or something of that nature or something. We, 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 I think, I think it's fair to say if we win, well, look, if you win one game, then no. Right. But if we win six or seven or whatever, which I think both of us think will happen, then I would say, yes, I'll buy that. Yes. Movie buff buy or sell, giving the kicker a nickname before his first game as a buff. <laughs> I give him a nickname. Get out of town. <laughs> I don't know why. Why we think we're giving so a nickname? You're just gonna. You're just. You're never gonna punt, and you're not gonna. How are you gonna kick off the ball? With? Have you thought that through? No, huh? I didn't need to. Uh, what or so? What I I I really wasn't quite. Did if I missed something that there was something going around about a nickname already for one of these guys? Well, I thought Alejandro Mata had already earned the nickname. Automata last year at Jackson State. Oh. I thought that was already a thing. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I didn't see that. I don't know. Well, so you got to buy it if that's the case, right? Because Coach Prime loves loves Mata. That's pretty obvious. That's uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, all I, all I've heard so far about Mata is he, he can't kick from past the five yard line. So <laughs> uh, I uh, given the kicker a nickname before his first game is above. I'm going to sell on that. I I wouldn't, but you know. I don't know. I guess if that means Coach Prime has already given him one, then maybe that they maybe that's yes. I want a good kick. Uh, I'm sorry, a good puncher nickname. Have we had one of those in Boulder recently? Well, you know, there for there for about 10, 12 years, we were the punting capital of the world. But uh, they never he, earned a nickname, though. No, no, no. I can't. I'm thinking back. You know, Barry Helton and uh, Mitch Berger, and none of those guys ever had a, a nickname. Um, uh, I'm not even sure any of our kickers ever had a nickname. Oh, yeah, they have. Uh, Iceman, the, the last kicker, Cole Packer, was nicknamed that by Carl Durrell. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, no, I don't think I, I can't. Eric, Eric Goodman had some other nicknames, but we're not going to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heimlich or something, something like that. No, but actually, I need to correct that. Eric Goodman's, a, I, I really enjoyed him as a person. And I don't know if there's ever been a kicker that's had worse luck than him. How many uprights did that young man hit in his career? Well, he's a, a grown-ass man now, but he was yeah. in Colorado. I mean, that yeah. was, it was it would have been laughable if it wasn't so frustrating. Right. 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 Well, and, and, you know, I said, if you aimed at the damn uprights, you wouldn't hit them. Yeah. You know I mean? It's just, it's so hard to do. It's just ridiculous. All right. Let's move along. That that was tr- trending in a negative direction. Yeah. Makos zero six, two, one buy or sell. Will there be a five star in the 2024 recruiting class? Well, yeah, I gotta, you gotta say, yeah, I buy that one. It's 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 Dion freaking Sanders, man. <laughs> yes, they've got a composite five star on campus as we record this. So uh, I will right. buy it. It's not a foregone conclusion, but uh, he's made it happen. Uh, he made it happen at Jackson State. So right. uh, and yeah, and and two two of them coming here already. So you know, it's not like it's a huge stretch of the imagination. Is that on a timer over there? Your your light. Oh, I don't know because that's a different computer screen, and okay, uh, okay. It just it, if I'm not using it, then it then it gets a, you know, times itself out. Okay, Max Buff zero seven buy or sell CU versus Nebraska will have the highest television ratings of CU's regular season. I did some research here. Do you do you want me to jump in here real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to sell it because. CU at TCU on September 2nd is on Fox Big Noon. And at, in that time slot, Virginia at Tennessee is the only other Power 5 versus Power 5 matchup. When you look at the CU-Nebraska game, which is also on same time slot, you've got, you've got a lot more competition there for viewership. You've got Notre Dame against NC State. You've got Utah at Baylor and Purdue at Virginia Tech. So yeah. The fact that there's a lot more other Power Five versus Power Five games going on at the same time when CU's playing Nebraska makes me sell that because I, yeah. there, it's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that CU at TCU game. Uh, yeah, and I, so that that's going to have more viewers. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to sell that for a similar but slightly different reason is is that you know okay look let's be brutally honest CU and Nebraska we both stunk the last ten years and nobody really cares. I mean, we we are rabid about it, but outside of Boulder and Lincoln, nobody really cares about that game. The TCU CU matchup is going to be big for two reasons, and and no 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 nothing bigger by a long way than because it's Coach Prime's first game, um, and it's against a, a returning playoff team, and it's like you said in that time slot where there's no other competition. I think everybody's going to be checking in, and you know. For both things, I mean, some some people are going to check in to watch Coach Prime fall on his face, hoping for it or expecting it, whatever, right? And others like us will watch to to uh, see see him win, right? But I think it's going to be, I think all the media is going to be all over that game to see what happens when Coach Prime finally plays his first game at the Power Five level. And so I agree with you. I'm, I buy I buy that it's I, I sell this notion, but I think TCU by far will be our uh, highest rated game. You are underselling the intrigue, though, of the Colorado Nebraska game a little bit in the sense that Nebraska, you can say what you want to about them, but they've got a national following. And Colorado now has a national following. 
And you've got Matt Rule, and I think actually I'm going to throw a question your way, is saying some things that are going to catch headlines probably leading up to that game. So uh, yeah, I hope he keeps running his mouth because that is so right. good for this game. It's so yeah. good. Well, I, I, it, it just amuses me how uh, sort of Coach Prime, all, all these guys running their yaps, and and he, he's just kind of like, who? Who said what? Who's that guy? Does he do something? You know, and and not insincerely either. You know, sincerely, like uh, that guy's irrelevant to me. So, um, but I don't, I don't imagine that. Uh, that doesn't mean they won't use it as a motivational tool. Matt Rule did have kind of one complimentary comment. He said that he walked in on <laughs> one of the recruiting weekends when the visitors were playing video games and they were. Deion Sanders was on the video game and he was kind of saying, how do I, how do I compete with that? Right. Right. Yeah. Let's stick with the Nebraska game here. William fight. CU 1414 had this one buy or sell. Nebraska has 30% or more fans in Folsom field on September 9th. So 30% of the whole stadium is yeah. how we're taking that. You think I would buy, I, I sadly, I'm going to say buy because they always do. I mean, until, until it always, always, they yeah, find a way. Right. Doesn't happen. When it doesn't happen, it'll be the first time it doesn't happen. You know, even even during the great years in the 90s, when we play those idiots in Boulder, it'd still be, you know, <clears throat> a lot of red in that stadium, you know, even when we're ranked number one. So uh, that's just what they do. They're uh, Maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this, but they're locusts, man. They come and they eat all your corn and then they fly back home. <laughs> Oh, I love I love you on Nebraska. It's my favorite part of this podcast. Uh, so back in 2019, the last time they came in, I, I thought it was hard to gauge because red just stands out so much more. Right. True. But if I had to be honest about it, I, I really did feel it was pretty 50-50. Now, there's some people that thought it was more than 50%, and I, I think that goes to the, the red standing out more. What, what did you think? Were you, you're not allowed to go to those games, all right? Doesn't your wife keep you away? Uh, that that – that that's the that that game I gave my ticket to um, uh, Nippy's thirteen and his wife because okay. we were, I think we were I don't remember where we went we went out of town but I I damn sure wasn't going to make sure any any damn red clown was going to sit in my seat so uh, Nippy's came out from uh, San Diego and and sat in our seats and and from but what I saw on the replay on TV it looked like it was more than fifty percent red to me. All right, I've got now that I've got you revved up here with Nebraska. <laughs> Aaron Lot 303 asked me a question, but I'm not answering this. I'm teeing this up for you, William. Here we go. He asked, how much enjoyment do you get watching Coach Prime live rent-free in the heads of Nebraska fans and their football staff? Seems like their new head coach brings up Prime either directly or indirectly every time he's in front of a microphone. What are your thoughts? Also, do you think RG and company have done a good job teaching Coach Prime, the staff, and players about our historic rivals and what these games games mean. Do you know of any special things the department will do to bring this new team up to speed on the importance of that first home game? Thanks for all you do. To, to the last part there, I don't know if Rick George has sat down and talked with that, but you know that uh, folks are already getting into all the new guys' ears about what this means. There, there's no doubt about that. They... Uh, even at uh, the the where was it at the Memorial Day barbecue? Somebody showed up wearing a red shirt, and they were giving them a hard time. So yeah. they're they're catching on to this. But 
to the first part of that. Well, what are your thoughts on uh, on Matt Rule and Coach Prime living rent free in in their heads right now? Well, I, I would say on the other on the other thing, the, the last half of it, you know, they've also had Cordell Stewart in the building. They've had Michael Westbrook in the building. They've had those old timers in there, and I'm sure that they've uh, filled them in on all that. But as far as the other, any anything that causes any kind of misery or, or misfortune to any anybody associated with Nebraska is, is a joyful, happy thing to me. And so uh, I hope the crops fail and, and the buildings fall in. But uh, wow, uh, I, wow. I think it's funny that uh, it, it you're, you're it taking you're taking money out of out of families now in Nebraska. That's that's where it's well, going. I didn't make them live there. It's not my fault. <laughs> shall, shall I start reciting things like when they kicked in our car window? But uh, it, it, goes, it runs it runs deep for you. I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it. I think it is interesting to me that that uh, rule does sort of seem to be fixated on on whether it's CU or whether it's Deion Sanders, I don't really know, but he does seem to have it either forefront of his mind or somewhere in the subconscious where it keeps coming up. And it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of goofy. I don't know. You know, he's got his own background and history that he could rely on, but maybe I, you know, it occurs to me that maybe he's trying to do what Bill McCartney did all those years ago and build a rivalry um, that wasn't there and, and, and use that to motivate his team. I don't know. Um, but, uh, some of the things he says are kind of comical, but then he also has come back and said very complimentary things about, uh, coach prime as well. Um, I also think that they have to compete on the recruiting trail to some extent. So maybe he has to create some, uh, uh, interest that way. I don't know. Um, but it is, it is kind of funny. Uh, when everybody every now and then somebody puts up all their you know their ranting and raving on on that Nebraska board about um, Coach Prime and how he's doing things and whatever, but there's also sort of seems to be a uh, you know like what's the guy's name was it Narducci or at, at Pitt or whatever Narduzzi yeah yeah Narduzzi uh, uh, you know so there there seems to be there are always going to be people who want to pile on to say something negative about Deion Sanders. And I, you know, I distinctly remember that all the way back when he was a player at Florida state, you know, because he's just such a brash personality and that's going to rub some people wrong. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I very much want to go. I'm calling it three and O against them in recent history. So, uh, I'm excited about it. I don't, as far as like, uh, revving up this team great coaches have their teams ready for whoever they play and i think that's the kind of coach coach prime is and so i don't know that it'll be a bigger game for him and this team than any other game like it is for the fans uh because i i i very much expect that his expectation is for them to play great and play at a fever pitch against anybody they play uh so we will see what happens, but I don't think there's any way as we get closer to that game for him not to know that uh, it's an important game for CU fans and, and alums. As much as you hate Nebraska, you would prefer to have them on the schedule every year yeah. if you could, though, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd do away with CSU. I don't want to ever play them again, but uh, Nebraska, I hate them like Death, man, but I, it, that, that's the fun. If we don't play them, you know, then it sort of fades away and becomes nothing. 
And that ends today's William Hates on Nebraska segment. Moving along. Tech 82, buy or sell the announcers for the TCU Buffs game will say, quote, Coach Prime has certainly turned this program around, end quote, more than five times on the broadcast. Well, uh, I don't even know if we know who the announcers are going to be and what their tendencies are, but I think that I think if uh, my expect, I think we're going to win that game. So if that's the case, then they're going to say something of that nature, certainly more. Yeah, they're not going to say those exact words, but they'll allude to the fact of, wow, this team compared to last year, so much better. So some kind of variation of that. Yeah, if they win the game and you think they're going to win the game, then you you have to buy this. Yes, right. they will definitely do that. Uh, I I expect them to be competitive in that game, but uh, well, even I, I, I still think yeah, I think I think they will say something along those lines for sure. Right. Even I mean, even it's a one in eleven football team that right. ranked dead last in scoring margin last year. There, right. if they show a pulse in that football game, they will yeah. say that a number of times. Yes. Yeah. Peak view buff, buy or sell, buffs will have a top 20 high school recruiting class. I would buy that. Um, I again you just you just go back to Coach Prime and uh man, you know, salesmanship and recruiting is his thing. And so it wouldn't I think I think I think that'll happen. I think we're I think they've finally moved past filling the roster for this year and now they're starting to work on that recruiting class and i think we're going to see more results to what we saw for transfer recruiting yeah i'm going to buy it i th- i like them in kind of that 15 to 20 range uh, but i think they're going to be light on the number of high school signees again which right. again kind of makes it harder to climb up that which you know the, the the reversal of that was they had the number one ranked transfer class and they had so many guys and that helped to that Conversely, I think when you go high on transfers and lighter on high school, it's harder to rank high in that in that right. uh, in those rankings. Buff Bosco, buy or sell? Coach Prime is coaching the Buffs in 2028 when they visit <laughs> the swamp. Well, I would certainly love for that to happen, but five years is a is, is a is a epoch or an eon or a something in in coaching. And that's actually six seasons from now, yeah, because they haven't gone yeah. through twenty twenty three. So that oh, would right, be right, right. that would be his sixth season yeah. at CU. I mean, you know, and it's I, quite frankly, it's rare for any coach to be somewhere six yeah. seasons under any circumstances. Um, you know, I, I, my fondest heart's desire would be for him to be, you know, be uh, you know, the next McCartney here, or maybe I should say the like, you know. Um, Saban is to Bear Bryant at Alabama, right? And that he's here for 10, 12 years. Um, but I, I can't I can't buy it right now before we even play a season. So I have to sell on that one. And I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's just too far out and too many variables. Yeah, I'm going to sell it would be the same with literally any person in this job. Like you said, it just right. six years is a, a long time in, in, in yep. coaching years. Dude, we were never better. Buy or sell. Colorado will upgrade the basketball facilities before a team, men's or women's basketball, reaches the Final Four. I mean, you got to buy this, right? I mean, reaching a Final Four is extremely, extremely, extremely difficult to do. Yeah, yeah. I think the women's team might have a you know shot at it, but uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if there's rumblings of upgrading the basketball facility. Yeah, then, but I mean, in women's basketball, they're they're still the blue bloods. They're still. Right. UConn and no, like just 
that would be incredible if that ever happens to either of those programs. You certainly, I, I can't sit here and predict that. Well, yeah. right, right now, what you're talking about with, with the basketball, the men's basketball side is get past the first week and get to a sweet 16. That's kind of the, right. the right. goal right now. Right. And I, I think, you know, but, you know, I don't think the men's team will do it, but and we'll get to that in the next question. But, um, you know, the women's team, you know, fluke teams get to the final four sometimes, you know, crazy things happen. Uh, is there talk in the, in the, in the works of upgrading basketball facilities? I don't know that. I haven't heard any rumor of it. Um, it kind of seems like neither they're going to do some stuff, but yeah, there's not going to be a complete overhaul on that, but right. uh, they will get upgraded at, at some point. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, guess dude, it depends on how you define upgrade, I suppose. Dude, we were never better. Had another basketball one here. Buy or sell Tadwell with a mere one third of the money UConn and other blue blood spend on men, men's basketball. Will they ever be an elite eight team? Is it fair to expect more on a repeat basis, knowing the spending? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back against the premise, and I don't like the premise. And that's the only premise that we get on the board is that hey, we don't spend enough money. So Tad's the greatest coach that ever lived. Uh, and if he was only at Duke or Kentucky, he'd never lose a game. Well, I just don't buy it. I don't, I think he's a mediocre coach and I don't think he'll ever get us the elite eight. I'd be like you said a minute ago, uh, really the realistic goal for him is get past the first weekend and make it to the sweet 16. Um, and I don't think the money's got a darn thing to do with it. I mean, it's got something to do with it, but I think that's a cheap excuse, uh, to get him off the hook for not improving as a coach over the course of, his career and he he is where he is and he is what he is. And I think that there are a lot of structural reasons in the way he coaches and the way he recruits that are the reason why he doesn't go beyond where he goes. And I don't think it's because of the, and I know it's heresy and I'll get yelled at by the usual suspects, but that's what I think. Fair enough. Yeah. I couldn't possibly disagree more, <laughs> uh, right. but th that's fine. Like I, with the, the hardest Tad will, uh, critics, and you might be part of that group, as it sounds here. My rebuttal first on that would be: Do you think if you if you fire Tad Boyle tomorrow, you could find a better coach out there? Well, that's and that's that's where it always ends up. I mean, that's and that's where the that's but, where yeah. the stops because that's always the response everybody gives. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying fire the guy. I'm just saying I expect I I think he could do a lot better with what he has than what he does, and there are areas where he's not a good coach and, you know, people that are, you know, um, I don't know, that are big Tad supporters. And I, you know, I, I just think that, uh, uh, there's a lot more to be had out there. It's like, you know, getting, getting to the sweet 16 is not about, you know, if you get to where he's gotten before, you know, it's not like he's losing to Kentucky or Duke or, or an eventual champion every year when he gets in there, he basically is a one, one weekend in the tournament and out guy when he gets there. And he doesn't get there as much as people think. And so then the other argument you always get is, oh, it's the best we've ever seen in Colorado. Well, just because we stunk for the, you know, all of history and he's better than everybody that came before him doesn't make him great. But I'm not sitting here saying fire the guy. And I'm not, I wouldn't say fire the guy unless, you know, they're going to pitch in like they did with football and get somebody like a Deion Sanders. Yeah, that I, I don't know. I. I guess we'll close it here. I think they have a better chance of getting to an elite eight team retaining Tad Boyle going forward than if they fired him tomorrow, I guess is the, the way I'll end it there. We we've gone so long here. We, 
we should actually spend more time debating Tadwell because it would be a good back and forth. We agree on a lot of the football stuff, so it would be fun. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we've gone so long on this. If he also, I mean, he asked about the wins total. Do you want to do that one? I, I just really don't know. I'm so deep in yeah. the weeds and football right now let's let's move right. along to a okay. few off-topic questions okay. from movie buff buy or sell chipotle is the best fast casual mexican food oh boy uh i don't know what uh depends on how you how you define mexican food and fast and casual i suppose i mean uh i like it uh is it you're like, would you choose it over Qdoba and illegal Pete's? And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are. No, I, I don't think that I don't think that I have a favorite out of them. I like them all. But if they're if you, whichever one's close, Chipotle seems to be everywhere, you know, in, in Denver, where I am. That's that's where I see see the most often. But uh, I like Qdoba. I like I like illegal Pete's. You know, when I was in when I was in San Diego, they had all these little stands uh um it was always a very it was alberto's or juan berto's or oh those are so good alberto's yeah. oh my god you know and uh, somebody somebody birth and, and i'm and you know i think there were real mexican dudes in there cooking the stuff and it was so fantastic so that kind of spoils you on what a really good mexican burrito should be i'm gonna sell i do love chipotle but illegal pizza is it for me you, you said you've been to illegal pizza right yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think I think I have once, but I don't think they do they have, have even have one in Denver. Yeah, they've got quite a few, but it's more kind of in the Denver city area. Okay, yeah. But if you if you make a, a point to hit one on your way out from work, you, you'll find a couple locations. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the place the, the place that has the uh, well, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It has a really fantastic breakfast burrito. There's one down in Santa Fe, South Santa Fe, um, and I'm blanking. This is really great podcasting that's trying to figure out restaurants. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Buy or sell NVIDIA. Uh, buy or sell. Uh, okay, I'm not sure what the heck it is. <laughs> it's like a, uh, they were kind of a video game company that's gotten into AI, I think. is well, I'm not an expert either, so. But basically, uh, you know, AI is going to take over the world. So uh, they're kind of yeah. on the cutting edge as far as that goes. Yeah, our kid is always talking about, you know, uh, you know, 10 years from now, AI is going to do this and everything. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. So it, it, it sort of sounds like like uh, Terminator and Skynet. But uh, I don't You're know. You're stealing the words out of my mouth. I, I'm selling because I am not going to contribute in any way towards AI taking over the world. I I saw Jaws at a very, very young age and it messed me up. And like, I right. couldn't even like take a bath because I thought the shark was going to come up through the drain and eat me right. when I was like little, little Tyke Adam. Uh, the only other movie I've ever had a nightmare from is I Robot with Will Smith. You ever see that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know Joe had like a couple really bad dreams after seeing yeah. that movie. So I don't know. Like it, it planted in me this feeling that. Technology is going to ruin us. And well, I am. I'm not going to contribute to this. Yeah, man. I came up in the '80s, dude, and it was. It, and it was. Uh, you know, first it was a uh, Terminator, and then it's the Matrix, right? And whether it's the robots or the or the computers, one way or other, they're going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> so when I hear our kid now, he's 27. He's talking about how you know AI is going to take over the world. We all know that already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Buy or sell Twitter. Oh God, I hate Twitter, man. It's like, it's like, uh, I'm going to sell on it. I mean, 
I don't know if we're supposed to be buying or selling as an investment, but I mean, certainly an investment because nobody's going to stop, give up their chance to get their uh, 180, you know, characters of thought, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those old guys now. This is the downfall of the world is Twitter. So I'm selling on it because uh, I, I just don't need to see every idiot's every thought. It's tough for me because. I started covering recruiting back when like you could actually break news and you could like get right. to know these guys. And now it's right. all graphics and all this stuff. And so I can sometimes be that old guy yelling at clouds that just like, ah, like it's just sometimes too much, but I'm going to buy Twitter. Like if, if I wasn't in this gig, I would love it because it really is. You can tailor it to what you want it to be. You can yeah, follow true. the people that you want to get updates on and, uh, so that I, I'm going to buy Twitter as a concept. Just, I yeah. mean, th- there are some days, William, that, I mean, I am on my phone or computer way too much and right, we're just right. not living life the way that we should as human beings. And again, old man yelling at clouds, but um, from an actual app standpoint, and you can tailor it to be a, a pretty darn effective news feed for yourself. So. Well, isn't it Hog Eleven? It always says curate your feed. Oh, exactly. That's one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, it you know Twitter is what you make it to be. Yeah, and I you know quite frankly, there's there's no denying the fact that historically it's been transformational to the human race. Um, you know, uh, not to get into politics, but there is no Donald Trump as president without Twitter. You know, I mean, I'm not getting into the politics of it, but the, but that is a realistic statement of how he made himself. Uh, in terms of a big politician. So it, it, it is certainly changing. And like you said, you, you know, you look at young people and even the older, some older people like the, the Twitter or whatever is what is what they're doing all the time instead of talking to each other. Well, it really is politics, sports. It, it's really just kind of for news and opinions about news, right? I, I think if you walk up to a random person on the street, the vast majority of them are probably not on Twitter. You know, it's right. it's kind of for the folks that are sports junkies or political junkies. Right. Those, yeah, those two things. And then, I don't know, the wife likes all the humorous stuff, cats playing okay. piano and stuff like that and whatever. I guess that maybe is that, maybe that's more Instagram. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. She's always sending me stuff and I'm like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> you don't want to see cats playing a piano? Of course. Of course you want to see that. She well, she likes she likes to send me like like, hey, look at this latest criminal thing, criminal case thing. And I'm like, I got a hundred of my own, don't need it. But she likes to send panda bears, which are which are undeniably pretty adorable and cute, <laughs> but not very smart. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean that's kind of why they almost went extinct, right? Yeah, I would think, yeah, something like that. And and then that's one of the mean, that's one of the things she sends. Why pandas? almost went extinct and it'll show some panda doing something stupid. So <laughs> this podcast is falling apart, but we got one more. We got to knock out here. Let's close it out with Taylor Swift. Buy or sell Taylor Swift tickets. Do I get to meet Tay Tay or no? I mean, I'm not going just to hear the music, but if I get to meet her, I'm going to go for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying as well. I got an 11 year old daughter. So man, right. I'd be the coolest dad in the history of the world. You know, okay. it's funny. 
sometimes I've, I've got to have a certain mood when I'm driving because I do a lot of driving. It's like, okay, I need to be in this certain space and, and I'll, I'll be the DJ. But if I ever throw it out to, to my daughter for, Hey, what kind of music do you want? It's Taylor Swift. And it's, it's a lot. I've listened to more Taylor Swift's than I would have preferred to, but I've got to be honest. She's got a good voice. She's talented. She's talented. Yeah. Some songs are better than others, but Hey, I'm not, I'm not a Swifty. Is that, is that what they call them? But uh, I'm yeah. definitely not a hater either. So no, I, I like her a lot too. And, and, you know, whenever I'm getting a little worked up and usually it's about CU football, the wife plays that one song. You need to calm, you need to calm down. Uh, and I hear all of a sudden I'm like, rant, I'm like, uh Oh, uh Oh, I'm like, okay. All right. I got it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. You singing Taylor Swift is, probably uh, <laughs> that's probably the sign that we need to, uh, end this podcast and and come back we are gonna have to have like a put on the boxing gloves duel it out over tad boyle at some point <laughs> podcast so uh th- that's my takeaway from today's pod yeah and i think we talked about maybe doing a, a position by position breakdown once we get a little into more into the summer or whatever so lots of things to talk about all right william that was a lot of fun hope everybody out there enjoyed it as always thanks for tuning in